week is here. The day is here. The show is here. Well, I mean, the show is coming up this weekend at noon. I'm Thomas Frank Carr, but our show goes off right now. This is the official Penn State Ohio State preview from Blue White Illustrated. And the guys that know the most, they are here to talk to you about the game and give you a preview and their predictions for this weekend. So let's get this show rolling. I'm Thomas Frank Carr, Nate Bauer, already uh, intimidated by my intensity this morning. Nate, how you doing? I just- it, the the whole the prediction like and their predictions as though it's just that's it's heavy there's a lot to that so yes. I'm, I'm starting to get nervous here but that's okay the, we'll get the through moment it. is here Penn State fans have waited all year for this so we're going to be delivering for them here on the show today and I want you guys to deliver for us as well like the video share the video we are going to be giving you an in-depth breakdown of what happened at last night some big moves for Penn State football at practice we covered that at bluewhiteillustrated.com great sign great reason to sign up is you might get the information right now. You might have gotten the information last night, but you get it first when you go to bluewhiteillustrated.com and you're on the message board. That's where you get premium content, premium information, all for you if new members want to sign up. 50% off. $55. You can spend $55 in a lot of stupid ways. The smartest way is to sign up for Blue White Illustrated. Fitz, how you doing this morning? I'm glad that's the way you went with that. I wasn't sure <laughs> wasn't sure when you started uh, calling people stupid would be the way to go. But here we are. And I think I agree. I, you know, I think Blue White Illustrated over the last year has set itself apart in terms of Penn State coverage. I think you're yeah, it's, it's time. It's time. So get on that. Get on there with us on the message board, bluewhiteillustrated.com. Very receptive to your comments, your criticisms, and mostly your comments about how great Nate was on XM yesterday morning. Yeah, Nate. What was the story there? I uh, unfortunately I did not hear your presence, uh, your your appearance. They they kept calling me Nate Boyer from Blue White Illustration, and I rolled with it. <laughs> I rolled. I, you know, the first time it was like I just kind of hoped that that would be right. Okay, I'll gloss it over. But then it was like three more times Nate Boyer at Blue White Illustration. But I got through it. It was fine. Boyer is a very Berks County name. It's fine. Sure. Yeah, that's true. They really wanted to give you credit. They really wanted to pump you up, but uh, they unfortunately pumped up Nate Boyer. Yeah, correct. So let's get to some off-the-bat conversation about Penn State, Ohio State coming up this weekend. Then we're going to switch over to talking about practice, and then we'll get into the official game preview. So Fitz, big picture thoughts about this game coming up this weekend. Where are you? Where is your brain taking you when you're thinking about this matchup this weekend? Just looking at the matchups, I mean, you, you have to admit Penn State is at a better place than it's been any time that it's gone into the horseshoe in the last decade plus. Even 2017, Penn State had the horses to, to deal with Ohio State. They didn't have the depth like they have on this team. And really, that's that was the story of the 2017 game. Bates gets hurt, Buckholtz gets hurt, and all of a sudden Penn State kind of falls apart at the end because they don't have the depth to, to run with that. Ohio State has recruited extremely well, but I think they've they've hit some some plateaus in the sense that like, they're, Hey, they're awesome. Like I, I don't yeah. want to knock Ohio state at all. They, this is a great, I think is a, is a great team, obviously a top five team right now. Um, they are awesome. But in terms of what you expect from Ohio state, the firepower, the, the quarterback play is such, yeah. is such a big part of this game. Like they're just, they, they, it just seems to be missing a little bit of something again, still great. Not knocking Ohio state at all. Ohio state is favored in this game. Rightfully so. Penn State has not shown that they can go into uh, the horseshoe and beat Ohio State before. So, like, that's uh, that's a big part of that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it's, you know, if you're a Penn State fan, you're as confident as you've been heading into uh, Ohio Stadium in, in a long, long time. And there's there's reasons for that. It's not just unbridled uh, homerism. There's there's yeah. reasons that these matchups look good for, for Penn State. Yeah, the, the thing, the, the motif I've had all week is it's not just comparing Penn State to Ohio State. It's comparing Ohio State to their previous teams and the kind of the standard they set for themselves and there is as you mentioned it just feels like there's a there's something missing especially on the offensive side I think the defense is good we're getting into all of those things today and Nate I want to jump off there uh some of your thoughts going into the game this weekend how do you frame this contest between these two teams yeah it's, it's kind of interesting I was asked uh I, we did a question swap with the uh our sister site at Ohio State uh, in the on three network. And one of the questions that was asked was whether or not I think that Penn State is as talented as Ohio State this year. And like, look, you know who the audience is, right? It's it's Ohio State fans for this. <laughs> so it it's it's very much a coming in hot moment because for the first time, I would say in the last 10 years of, of James Franklin football, right? It's it's there's two ways to look at it, right? 
the top end talent that Ohio State has, right? Marvin Harrison in some mocks is is like the number two overall pick, yep. right? Does Penn State have that? No, probably not. But Olu might be a top five pick, oh, right? Like yeah. The, yeah. the high end of, of the draft, like the high end of what these two teams are, for the first time that I can really remember, uh, Ohio State in, in the last mock draft that I looked at, and I looked at one yesterday, they have Ohio State having three first-round draft picks and Penn State having three first-round draft picks with yep. Chop Robinson and Kalen King. So that side of it is is intriguing to me. But the one that I think will end up dictating the game and the one that has dictated most of these games over the last 10 years is the breadth of talent that Ohio State always has, right? It's it's not just about those superstars. It's about the stars to be that always come up big in these types of games that Penn State really hasn't been able to match, that for the first time, I think it's pretty fair to say, okay, yeah, Kaylee King is awesome and will be an NFL guy, but so will Johnny Dixon, right? Yeah. Olu Fashanu and what he's representing, but Hunter also Norzad. Hunter Norzad. We, yeah, Ex exactly, right? It, so for every one of those spots, Chop Robinson, Deny Dennis Sutton, Adisa Isaac, there, there is depth to what Penn State brings to the table that makes it, in my mind, very much a coin flip game. We're going to talk about that because there's uh, there's some things that Fitz shared with me earlier this week that I thought was just amazing in terms of talking about depth and playing players. We'll get to that in a little bit, but right now we got to get to today's sponsor, and that is Caldera Labs. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. I have a beard. And I think they noticed that because it's fall, it's October, the leaves are beautiful right now. It's a great time to grow out your, your beard. And if you want to do that, you got to look good. Like, you can't just walk onto the stage here today on the BWI live show and be scraggly and scruffy. You got to take care of it. And this has been a game changer. Fitz, I know that you've gotten some of this stuff for the, the beard stuff. Uh, I use the beard oil to look all shiny. But this uh, shaving cream, the smooth is what they call it. This was a game changer for me. I know you said you were you used it before the show today. So how were your experiences with Caldera Lab? I don't want to get too deep into my experiences before the show, but uh, no, I just actually just got out of the shower, just shaved using the Caldera Lab products. Uh, they're great. Uh, I look pretty shiny. I'm um, also using the, the face wash and stuff like that. And uh, in the shower, again, details not necessary, but the body bar, the exfoliating body bar, I'm not a soap bar soap guy yeah uh, it's great it is it is quite exfoliating so i appreciated all that and I, I gotta say i look i look good um right now looking at my uh nate nate complimented me before we got on said i look really good so yeah. um i appreciate that i appreciate caldera lab sponsoring us uh the good the stuff has been has been very good so far face wash all the way to the shaving stuff and, and the bar soap as well i love a big ass brick of soap one of the things I love, I used to go to, you, I used to get the off-brand stuff. Now I don't have to get the off-brand stuff. I've been saving it just to use it as a, uh, as a prop on the show. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> this, this, um, this shaving cream, for me, like this has been a life-changing thing. I'm not kidding. My wife got me a straight razor because I was getting all that. You know when you use like an actual razor that's got like 16 heads on it and it leaves you with all the bumps and the scrapes and everything. She got me like the old school like shaving cream stuff and it's, it, it it is like taking a step back into the 1500s and that it takes me an hour to shave sometimes. So this stuff, you just put it on your hand, you put it on your neck, you shave. It is super smooth and it's all natural products. Uh, Nate, we're going to get we, we've got you some of the uh, some of the products as well, right? Like you, you've got you have a different experience with everything than we do. What is this shaving that you guys are talking? What is, <laughs> what is I that saw about? I saw you grow out a beard this summer, the stubble, the scruff. Didn't I see that this summer? There was a little, like, uh, two or three inches of scruff? No. No, oh. you didn't see that. No. Yeah, here's the thing. The, the the face cream does have SPF in it, so that I think that would help you. There we go. Yes. Yeah. There you go. There we go. And by the way, use promo code BWI23 for 20% off our code. That's our code, BWI23, to get 25% off at calderalab.com backslash BWI23. Link is in the description of the video if you want to go check it out to unlock your youthful glow, but just to look good, like just extend your prime like we are here on the live show. Okay, last night, Penn State football held practice. We went to go see it. Um, Nate, some big yeah. news on the offensive side of the ball, so kick us off with what you saw at Penn State practice with the offense. To be fair, you saw it first because you're always ahead of the game. Uh, JB Nelson, back, right? Uh, what does that mean? I'm not in any way willing to say. Right, like, it, does it feel like a sure thing that he will play in this game, even after watching with my eyes him practice? 
No, not at all. Uh, right. But he was there. He was there. He was participating, appeared to be a full participant, uh, went through everything that everybody else was going through. So for Penn State, I mean, obviously a welcome return given the situation that they've had there uh, at guard this season. So that that is that is, you know, number one, two, three and four in terms of the the top takeaways from uh, yesterday's practice on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, it was a, um, I think it was pretty standard practice outside of that, but there was a palpable, like everyone ran to the offensive line to see if he was there. And uh, yeah, like that was, that was a, a notable thing from the offense. And I think that um, just off the bat, like fits the depth they have at the, the uh, guard spot. We came in this year saying they potentially have four starters. They were down to talking about moving Caden Wallace to guard to shore things up. How important is from just not just a depth perspective, but also from a play perspective to have J.B. Nelson uh, back. Presumably, James Franklin is still ambivalent after practice about his level of participation. Um, but what does J.B. do for this offense and how important is he up front? I mean, it's huge. He's he's kind of their bully up front. Like he has been. Put, uh, he's been in spots where he's missed blocks, and that that happens with every, uh, especially interior offensive lineman when you're dealing with defensive tackles as quick as they are these days. Um, but like he is the guy that when he finishes blocks, he finishes blocks as well as anybody on that offensive line. So um, I, I, I saw him go through uh, the drill, not not the drills, but they, they were doing one on ones yesterday at the end of practice, and he went through and and participated in those, which is a good sign. Like sometimes you, you have guys out of practice that, you know, you, you know, they're sitting off to the side, not doing things. He was fully involved. I would say you, you just labeled him as full participant. I would, I would agree with that. Um, now it's kind of like uh, when he missed part of the Delaware game, he was not there at practice with an illness. Um, and then Venga came in, started the game and played quite a bit. And then JB came in. Um, so this is a, a scenario they've gone through before, albeit against a, a different caliber opponent. Um, but like, you know, it, it's going to be one of those things where it's going to take him a little bit of time to, to get his wind, to get back in there. So I wouldn't expect like you can gauge percentage and percentage means something different to everybody. That's why we don't do them very often, but you can gauge in terms of he's not at a hundred percent and that's to be expected. I think you would yeah. go with that. So, uh, taking a couple of weeks off of football conditioning and all that kind of stuff, we'll, we'll do that for you. So, um, yeah, I, I think, I think he plays, I think Venga plays a lot. I think, uh, you know, you try and make that a three man guard rotation as much as you can, um, keep Caden on the outside. You know, you still got Drew Shelton there as well. Nick Dawkins played quite a bit last week, um, especially, you know, in the latter portions of the game at guard. So you've got options, but yeah, depth. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a chain reaction, man, with, with depth up front, you lose one guy and then all of a sudden it feels like you've lost two, you know, that's kind of how it works up front because those yeah. guys are so vital, uh, to what they're doing. So yeah, it was encouraging to see JB, G, JB back there, but you also need to acknowledge that Venga for as well as he's played. And, and this is a, this is a caveat that we throw out there playing well for a freshman playing well, you know, two very different things. And he has played well. He's a redshirt freshman, obviously, but you got to take that step from playing well as a freshman to playing well. And Ohio stadium is a tough place to do that. So um, he's got to continue to improve. I think he's done a good job so far, but continue to improve. And um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the story on the, that offensive line is cultivating depth and getting where you're at or getting where you want to be. I thought it was very interesting last week, Javen Williams and Anthony Donka, two guys that we were looking forward to seeing in extended action did not play against UMass in a 63 to nothing blowout. Like that's telling me that Penn State feels good enough about those guys where, yes, the goal is a four game red shirt to get them to the end of the season, play them the bowl, play them the postseason, do whatever. Um, but they feel good enough about those guys that they would rather use that time or those games in vital situations, maybe not Ohio State, but bigger situations than UMass and then get them in, in there and sort of uh, uh, puff up that depth a little bit. Yeah. Uh, James Franklin just seems to be tactically when we talk about some of the players, and he's mentioned this several times, of now that the red shirt doesn't apply to the postseason, you can use some of these players deep into the year, and they, you can use them extensively. So I think that's a part of the conversation of they want to save those guys red shirts and, and you know for the end of the year if they need them and maybe ramp up some players, as he talked about last night, that would play for this team if they weren't so unbelievably deep. Fitz, coming back to you on the defensive side of the ball, you were the solo guy on that side. You mentioned some of the one-on-ones. Any other observations from the defensive practice field from yesterday? 
business as usual on the defensive field. And I think that's a good thing. Like this, this defense is confident. They are sort of locked into what they've been doing. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, on offense, you can have guys catching balls, dropping balls, whatever, like the preparation that we get to see in the 15 minute window that we get to see every Wednesday is pretty much exactly the same. You know, they had some one-on-ones yesterday, a couple of nice reps saying Durant looked really good. Um, but in terms of what you're looking for from a defensive side of the ball, it's personnel number one, and Penn State seems to be all together there on that side of the ball right now. Um, and then number two, anything sort of wonky and nothing wonky this weekend uh, or this this week, coaches preaching precision and all that kind of stuff that you would expect. Um, I think they know the situation in front of them. We got Chop Robinson as a, among the defenders last night that talked uh, to the media after practice. And uh, yeah, I think there's the, the goal is pretty clear. You want to get there, you want to hit the quarterback, and you want to reap the benefits of hitting the quarterback. And I think that that's, that's where the focus is this week for Penn State. Uh, if you want to get more information from these guys and what they saw at practice, bluewhiteillustrated.com. Get a hammer this home again. This is the week to sign up. It's the game coming up, and I know that the game is Michigan-Ohio State. I get it. I get it. But this is the most Careful. important game so far this season. I know. I'm always accidentally hot-taking all over the place. But what I'm trying to say here is bluewhiteillustrated.com, 50% off for new subscribers. If you haven't taken the plunge yet, it is well worth it. We get to have these conversations with you on the mailbag once a week on Thursday. We're talking to you guys constantly on the message board. So join. It's a great time to do it. And you can get information from these guys in their premium articles as well. Nate, want to come to you about what Fitz just talked about. Afterwards, we got to speak to a couple of different players. Uh, yep. Curtis Jacobs, Chop Robinson, Cam, uh, Kalen King, and who was the other one? Uh, Theo Johnson, who did you talk to and what was interesting from that conversation? I spent all of my time with Kalen King uh, when he came out and he was good. He was good. He, he, uh, you know, again, pretty straightforward. I, I don't think that they are acknowledging the gravity of this game and what it means for their season, what it means for them personally. He talked about uh, facing off against Harrison, right? Is, this is this is important to him. This is important for where he wants to go in his life yeah. uh, to look good uh, against this kind of uh, against this kind of an opponent. So I, I thought that th- that was uh, that was fairly interesting. But you know, other than that, he, he's mostly giving the same type of answers that you would expect ahead of a game like this. In the sense of, look, d- don't don't overblow this, right? right? Like, do, do not do not create. Uh, so big of an opponent in your mind that by the time that you actually get to the game, you're like overwhelmed. Uh, you know, so I, I, I do think that the, you don't want to be like too Frank this morning where you're basically your, your top of your head's coming off with an explosion. Correct. Correct. So no, it was, it was fairly straightforward uh, from, from Kalen last night. Uh, one of the, that was a major theme with the guys that I was around, including Theo Johnson and Curtis Jacobs, um, the one and oh mentality. They broke that out quite a bit as, as Nate said, fits from, from that perspective, I guess I'll, I'll finish up with my thoughts on this and then we will move on to a different topic. But did you get that sense of like the conversation about one and oh was much more important this week? And, and what was your take on how they presented themselves acknowledging the importance of the game because it's the next game, but also this is a difficult opponent. I think that's fair to acknowledge. I mean, I think the the objective last night was not giving Ohio State anything to run with and yeah. like lighting up the bulletin boards or anything like that. So I think that they accomplished that by not saying much. Um, but, but you know, acknowledging the task at hand, uh, the one and oh mentality, like uh, was it, it was Curtis Jacobs, I think, that was asked at the end, is the one and oh mentality real? He's like, yeah, absolutely, it is, and and I think there's layers to that. Obviously, you know, we looked at uh, uh, we looked at this team practice against Ohio State's scout team, you know, looks during the mm-hmm. bye week. So yes, there's there's a hole in that that theory right there. But like, yeah, this is the whole focus, and this is the reason why there's a one and mentality right now. Is 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 this game? Like it it kind of is. You know, I, I think you hear things like that and you want to poke holes in it because it's not, you know, it's not black and white. You know, it's there are shades of gray in that. But like when you get to the big show, this weekend being the big show, like that's where it that's where it comes up and that's where that focus comes in. So I, I think those guys, you know, we're all kind of, you know, party lining it. And, and that's what they should do right now. Like you yeah. can you ask the question that is presented to you and you don't give any really extra beyond that. And that's kind of the perfect formula. And that's kind of how James Franklin handled it this week. That's kind of how all the guys that were were there, you know, really go with it. Because I, I don't think there's been anything that's said 
that that is sort of spread like wildfire, like to get Ohio State any more momentum or uh, I don't know what the word would be like motiv- motivation. Yeah, Boy, that was a bad one. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think that there's anything that that's extra motivation. And to be honest with you, your top five team playing at home against a fellow playoff caliber team. If you need that extra motivation, that that could be a problem. So yeah. I think that's on both sides this weekend. You set me up perfectly because this is this is the conversation that I observed with Curtis Jacobs of is it real? Is one and oh mentality real? And like having Curtis here on the show and getting to know him a little bit better, like you gotta be serious about loving football in order to be great at football. Some some players are so unbelievably talented that they can cut some corners. But James Franklin mentioned it earlier this year, and this is why kind of to put a button on why it matters this week that they have been taking everything one and oh is because if you don't you miss all those opportunities to get better because you don't get good at football in one week. You get good at football progressively. And James Franklin talked about you, you know, you're allowed to get better. The tight ends, the linebackers, the defensive ends, they've gotten better so far this year. And if you're looking for these tentpole games to like motivate yourself during the week, you've wasted days and hours of time that if you're not intrinsically motivated, internally motivated, you're you're missing out on all those opportunities to be good at football because here's the thing is like football can be simple but if you don't understand the details somebody else who does is going to beat you and you've got to be great in these games and that happens from may until now and they've been if they're a good football team they've been getting better every single day you don't you don't turn it on and turn it off it's a it's a learned habit kind of just like anything else to be great at anything else you have to consistently apply yourself to it so one and oh is real, but this is the week where all of that will pay off, or maybe they come up short. We're going to talk about that now as we get into the game with our official Blue White Illustrated game preview Penn State versus Ohio State. I don't know that we're going to break down every single matchup, but we're going to get into the major things that are going to decide this game according to um, you know these two guys here, these experts that we have from Blue White Illustrated. So, Nate, I'm going to come to you. Um, Let's talk about, to start, the OSU offense versus Penn yeah. State's defense. Yeah. Um, how do you think, and, I, and not from a tactical perspective, but like the importance of Marvin Harrison Jr. on this game? How much do you think Penn State is going to focus on that versus, you know, because this is the first real test they've had in the secondary all year long. How much are you, are you gauging we can learn from Kalen King in the secondary this week? Yeah, I think uh, to me, honestly, I I don't think it's about number of receptions as much as it is preventing 80 yard touchdowns, right? Like he's going to get his that that's what they do. They he is a safety blanket in a lot of ways for Kyle McCord, uh, similar to to Cade Stover, right? I mean, he can just kind of put it in their direction and those guys are going to come down with the ball more often than not. It's okay. Is that happening for 10 12, 15 yards, or is that happening because of a missed tackle 70 yards? And so, right. I mean, that, that has to be Penn state's one of Penn state's huge priorities is to not let that guy wreck the game because there are other guys that are on that team that can also hurt you, but not to that level, right? Like you can, Penn state has, uh, has the personnel to match up against, uh, Ohio State's other receivers obviously got to see, you know, if injuries play a factor there at that receiver position for Ohio State. But mm-hmm. overall, uh, I, I do think that that's uh, that's going to be a thing that, that Penn State just has to buckle down on is to make sure that Kalen King, uh, you know, and Johnny Dixon and Daquan Hardy aren't letting the it, with the safety help, obviously being part of the equation, a big part of the equation is yeah. not let that guy go absolutely nuts. Uh, Fitz, Travion Henderson reports rumors kind of prognostication is he's going to play how much of an impact is he on the Ohio State offense and how much can he hurt Penn State if he's you know 100% healthy and ready to go well it's the flip side conversation in Nick Singleton that we're having you know if he's at his best he can break runs and he can change things Ohio State's running game has not been strong and that's been a point of contention for a lot of Buckeye fans in terms of starting with the offensive line just not really much room to run uh he uh Henderson has been hurt Mayan Williams has been hurt Trip Chainum or Chip Train him of course I get tripped up with the first part of that um he got hurt last week so you're like 
preparing for all those guys. Um, I think I think all all three will dress in varying degrees of how how much they play, but that's going to have its impact. That's going to be different. Um, but I don't know that it changes a lot with Ohio State's offense because those running game because that running game just hasn't been there this year. Um, it's interesting. I took a look at the stats, and I was actually pretty surprised to see Penn State at the top of the Big Ten in rushing offense. Um, yeah. I know a lot of that has come late, especially when Prabula's in, because they can run the ball easier with the running quarterback storyline, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but you know, Ohio State averaging 135 yards per game—that's like 60 some yards less than they averaged last year. Now, granted, they didn't break 100 yards last year against Penn State; they still scored 44 points. I know the defense was a huge part of that, um, yep. so they don't have to be clicking on all cylinders in the run game to have an effective offense. I think this is a pass game that sets up the pass, you know, more so than, than pass game setting up the run. Yep. Does that mean I think they'll try and get away from it entirely? No, I think Penn State is still, I don't want to say unproven up the middle, but like we feel pretty good about this defense as a whole, but yet where have they been ground down in the middle? Where, do the, where have those defensive tackles that we talked about all offseason been tested heavily like i know they played a really good offensive line in week one in west virginia and i think west virginia's offensive line is better than ohio state's offensive line um but still you're going to need to switch gears from umass all of a sudden get back up so i think that the run game may be something that ohio state turns to early like as a it's funny saying this but as a surprise because they haven't they haven't been strong in that so i think that's that's an interesting side of that um up the middle on Penn State's defense from those tackles, uh, how much they play Kobe King, how much Penn State goes with a 4-3 versus a 4-2-5. Like that's mm-hmm. going to be something that they lean on heavily. And and does Kobe King play much this week or as much this week? I don't know. So I think those are very interesting things. And then going back to the back, playing off of what Nate said in the passing game, those safeties like have been good, but that that whole defense has been good. They haven't been tested. So like there have been times this year when they've you've seen communication errors. You've seen guys that have gotten behind the defense, haven't played a quarterback that can get the ball to them yet. Yeah. The, the Kyle McCord is a guy that can get the ball to him. So that's the part that I'm looking at straight up the middle of that defense. Um, you know, Gettysburg, safest place in the battlefield, right, right, right smack dab in the middle. You know, like that that that's where I think Ohio State's gonna attack. And that's where I frankly they should attack. Uh, I just wanted to give credit to Rick Zelenko. I'll put this up again because I was I was amazed and impressed. He, I think, spelled every single name correctly here. And that is not something that you always get in the chat uh, on the live show. So I wanted to give Rick his credit. And also giving uh, some information here in the chat, the key injuries. Mechabuka Denzel Burke, as we have talked about, Pierce Travion Henderson will play based on reports and practice. So Rick doing some field work for us. Appreciate that from you, Rick. Uh, Travion Henderson, I think you, you mentioned him fits. One run last year broke open the game late with Travion Henderson. That's the the element that Ohio State needs from its running game. It's not to churn out yards and be consistent like Penn State. They want the big play. They're built similarly to how Penn State wants to play, as we've talked about ad nauseum over the last 10 years. They just have the athletes and, and the the opportunities to do that. And Henderson back this week, I think, we're, we're back to the one busted gap rule. One busted gap could be a big play for uh, Penn State, and they've been good, but what happens when some of those things we pointed out on T. Frank's film room, Henderson might find those gaps, and, and they got to be buttoned up this week. Okay, so let's uh, flip over to the Ohio State defense versus the Penn State offense, and I'm going to kind of blend the two here with this question, Nate. Kyle McCord, Drew Aller. Who has the better quarterback in this game? Oh, boy. I come to you for the hard stuff because I trust, (laughs) I trust you're going to nail it. Look, I, I think that Aller has shown a maturity and a patience that is commendable, right? That's, that's what you want. I, I would say in, in my opinion, Drew Aller hasn't been tested necessarily in critical moments, right? Of games. I, I think that you can only draw conclusions based on, what he's been in so far, right? Situations that he's played in so far, but they, they just, it doesn't compare, right? <laughs> like this will be a brand new experience for him, unlike things uh, that you've seen thus far. And so at least McCord has the Notre Dame game. He he at least has some of those, that muscle memory of being in that type of a game. So, right, who is like the overall best NFL prospect. I can't answer that. You do that. You do that. (laughs) You you take that. But in terms of the conversation that I've seen most frequently, which is, Hey, can Drew Aller handle this? Can, can, can he 
right? Like how will he respond to this right. type of a situation? I, I probably think it's going to be somewhere in the middle, right? Do I like the, the notion that he would completely melt down while everyone around him is fine. No, right. That's, that's not what's going to, that's not what's going to happen. If he melts down, it will be because the offensive line melts down. His receivers don't catch passes. They bobble catches that turn into interceptions. Those are the types of things that happen at Ohio state. I've been watching this for 20 years that those are the type of things that can happen and make an otherwise pretty good or decent quarterback performance turn into a bad quarterback performance, but also there's a good side of this, right? He has the ability to avoid mistakes. He's done that all season. And so if you can, if you can keep yourself out of those situations, particularly, I think playing from behind, if they're not playing from behind from two touchdowns down, right. In those types of situations, we just haven't been able to see, we have no idea what his, MO is going to be in those types of situations. So I, I do think it's critical for Penn State to avoid getting into a huge hole early in this game. Fitz, the the question and the conversation around Drew Aller that, that Nate just kind of painted the picture of, I want you to put some details on it for me. Uh, he has been not as good on the road in terms of not the decision making has been the same. The execution has not been quite as sharp in terms of accuracy and the ability to maybe be as consistent as you would want him to be on the road. It's in the chat. It's out on the internet. It is a problem that Penn State fans are concerned about. So how do you, I guess, how do you judge what James Franklin has said about him? And this is the poised football player, poised quarterback that shows the ability to make those clutch plays, but at the same time has been, has had some rough edges on the road. And this is going to be the biggest road test he has this year. How do you see that playing out? Yeah, it's about narrowing those margins. It's about uh, doing the things where you are throwing that ball to Dante Cephas against Northwestern just out of reach. I mean, those are the little like the, these are the the split second changes that can change this offense. I think, like as a whole, just especially going down the field. I will say, in the McCord versus Aller debate, like those guys are only going to be as good as their protection. And in on the flip side, they're only going to be as good as the defensive line allows them to. And that's why I kind of give the edge to Aller there um, because he has not faced a pass rush like Ohio State. Not that Ohio State's pass rush is anything special. Like, I mean, I think they're 104th in sacks or something like that this year, um, but they still have a different breed of athlete than they've seen it you know Iowa's a good defense but there's there I think we can all understand the difference between the athletes there like that it's very very different um so that that to me is when you're talking about quarterback play you're talking about protection you're talking about uh protection from the running backs like that that is a over you know a storyline that I've I've thought about and that not many people are talking about in that if you are down to your third or fourth back in Ohio State like there's going to be holes in pass protection. There's a reason that guy's a third or fourth back. Yep. So that's Manny Diaz sort of seeing that guy in the game and sending linebackers, you know, sending defensive backs to 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 make them to, to mess with their head. Another thing is Marvin Harrison's, I mean, he's, there's not a better bailout in college football. Like you oh, saw yeah. Kyle McCord, if you watched the Purdue game last week, Kyle McCord's just like, oh, I'm just going to chuck it down there, see what happens. I know that makes some people happy, um, but McCord goes up or excuse me, Harrison goes up and makes that play. There's a, there's a connection there, obviously from, from their time playing together for a long, long time. But at the same time, that guy has as good as ball skills as I've ever seen in college football. He'll go up and get it. Um, so yeah, I think that there's, there's different. I think, I think McCord is more likely to be bailed out by good receivers. And I think that on the flip side, Penn state's receivers have to make those play or have to make not, maybe not those plays, but they have to make a play. They have to make yeah. an extra play. And I think that's the big difference when you're talking about quarterback play, not so much the guys that are throwing the football, but the guys around them that have to make that play. Nate mentioned, you know, uh, tip ball going back for an interception or something like that. Those are the plays, not so much him dropping back 25 times. Those are the plays that, that are going to make this game. So just from an analytical perspective, if you want to look at some of the stats, they're, they're largely similar in that both of them have very few turnovers, very few interceptions. The difference being Kyle McCord has given the opportunity for more of those um, so far this season. So Penn State might have an opportunity to get a turnover. It would be very uncharacteristic for Aller to put the ball in harm's way because he has done it literally once this year. We all remember the play. McCord, there's been a little bit more variance, but that's also 
what he's asked to do in this offense, which is very vertical and attacks down the field versus Aller and the ball control style of offense, which gets us into some of the conversations we just had about Aller, how this team performs. So, uh, Fitz, I'm going to come back to you on this one. The offensive line, getting J.B. Nelson back, can this offensive line maintain its level of play that we've seen from them? It's not superstar play, but it is absolutely better than what we've seen and has given Penn State the opportunity to get three, four yards of carry and stay on schedule. Do you think they stay on schedule in this game in the run game? That's tough, man. I, I don't know. And, and I yeah. think it depends who the uh, who the guy's carrying the ball. Like, I, I've said it a couple times this week. I want to see Katron Allen a lot this week, like, because I think that this is a game that sets up well for him. Maybe you get Singleton to to finally hit one, but like how how often are we going to have that conversation? Or how many how many weeks in a row are we going to have that conversation before we just kind of go with, hey, this might have to be a ground and pound type thing? Um, so I think that there's a there's a very uh, solid chance that they can maybe grind out that sort of uh, yardage. Like Ohio State's defensive line is good. Somebody took something I said with uh, you know with with the pass rush and and twisted it into something that it wasn't. That that defensive line is good. Those linebackers are okay. Like the I just think it's not at the level that we've seen in Ohio State defense in the past year. And I think it's a really good Ohio State defense, but they have been great to elite in terms of, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. They've been <laughs> great to elite uh, over the years at, yeah. at flying to the football. And I think that that's, uh, you know, that's, that's something you're still going to have to deal with. Uh, Trey Wallace's impact on the game. Last question, then we're going to get to some of our predictions because we've got a great mailbag. We've got great questions in the chat, and I don't want to keep you guys forever. So, Nate, Trey Wallace's impact on this game, Penn State's ability to play uh, the past game and make some of those plays. Do you think that that comes through and we see the first time Trey Wallace against a big 10 team? Does he make an impact for drew Aller? And do we see a noticeable, noticeable difference? Like we have in the non-conference. It has to, it has to, right? I mean, that, yeah. if, if, if Penn state wants to win this game, I, I see Keandre and Trey have to have good games. They, they don't have to be spectacular. I, I, I don't think that they necessarily need to have backbreaking type plays, but they have to be consistent. There can't be drops, right? I mean, that when you talk about, listen, to, you talk about uh, Aller's performance at Illinois, a, a major part of that component for his game was batted passes at the line of scrimmage, which are somewhat of a shared responsibility, but also drop passes. So mm -hmm. right. Th these other things there, th these things don't happen in a vacuum. And so it, it is incumbent on Penn state's receivers who have been, let's be honest, pedestrian so far this season, right? I mean, they, they, you need guys uh, within that group beyond Keandre, who has been very good uh, and Trey coming back from, you know, his injury and his absence for the last couple of weeks, those two guys have to carry the day for sure, but you need contributions from, from some of those other guys as well. Uh, last week, the fact that those two guys were the only receivers who had catches against UMass, yeah. I, I thought was not great for Penn state. Yeah. Uh, but on the flip side, and this is something, uh, this will be my last comment before we get to your predictions that the ability to play 11 or 12 effectively 11 or 12 personnel is massive for this team you know seeing the way that they can flip between those i was charting this against umass they went seamlessly between three receivers two tight ends where before a lot more of those chunky two tight end looks they, they have the option now to do whatever they want from a schematic perspective that flexibility on offense has given them the all-important balance we've talked about with james franklin okay so let's get to our predictions because we've got to get to the mailbag fits we're coming to you first as always what do you think happens in Penn State's biggest game of the 2023 season? Oh, boy. Uh, Homer time, I guess. I don't know. I picked Penn State to go 11-1 and at the start of the year, and I thought that loss would be Michigan. Um, or, excuse me, I thought that loss would be at Ohio State because it's at Ohio State. That's what happens when they go to Ohio State. I, I just think Michigan's better than everybody right now, so I'm going to save my loss for then. I'm going to go with Penn State 24, Ohio State 21. Um, how confident am I in this? I mean, I'm picking Penn State in the horseshoe. <laughs> I mean, let's let's be honest here. That does does not happen. But uh, you know, I look at the matchups here, and Penn State matches up as well as they have in some time. To me, it's all about Penn State's defensive line. Like Ohio State's offensive line has struggled. Uh, they they went to the transfer portal, and they're still struggling. And uh, you know that happens because you lose three starters to the NFL, three really good starters to the NFL. So Penn State has an opportunity here where their strength matches up with a weakness. This is completely flip flop from what we've seen in this series. Oh yeah for the last decade or so. Um, so Adisa Isaac, Chop Robinson, Chop Robinson on the on the edge, Chop Robinson lined up over a guard. 
Uh, I know you want to talk about that. Um, yeah. And uh, deny Dennis Sutton, even to mean Vanover. You know, th- these are the guys that are going to change it. And then that second level of pressure, I think Manny Diaz is going to try to spook Kyle McCord in his own stadium, which is not an easy thing to do, but I think it's a challenge that he has taken on. I think he's going to send waves. I think he's going to send, uh, you know, I, I don't know that they can get there with four, but also the way that he disguises his pressures is something that's going to mess with the first year quarterback's mind. It's exactly what Jim Knowles is, I think is going to do and should do uh, to Drew Aller as well. So I think Penn State has an opportunity to run the game through its defensive line. And that's not something that you really thought you could ever say against Ohio State, but this is as good of an opportunity as they have to get to the quarterback, hit the quarterback, make that quarterback's internal clock shorten and never know what happens. So you got to get a you got to get a big uh, performance out of your secondary to give you an extra half second in the pocket, because that is when things happen. That's when arms get hit. That's when balls get tipped. And that's when things go back the other way. And, you know, I think Penn State can force some turnovers here. I think Ohio State is going to try and counter that by keeping things close to the line of scrimmage. That's why Kalen King and Johnny Dixon as tacklers are going to be equally as important as Kalen King and Johnny Dixon in coverage. Of course, Daquan Hardy's playing extremely well right now. Uh, KJ Winston's a guy I highlighted this week as a vital player. So that defense, um, and I, I picked a lower scoring game and Actually, it's higher scoring than I thought I picked, but um, it's it's going to be, I think, all on this Penn State defense. If they're going to get a win, it's going to be on them. Uh, quick thing I want to go back to, and, you know, I was just ringing the bell, ding, ding. I think you nailed it on the uh, pressure up the middle. Carson Heinzman struggling at center, and you mentioned it. This is absolutely correct. What happened when Iowa center struggled and they were without their top running backs? Mm-hmm. They got all kinds of pressure up the middle, and for that offense, it effectively shut it down. There's options for Ohio State that that – you know, changes the tectonics of this game. Nate, your prediction. I've got 26, 23 Penn state and how, how I know, I know I look, my problem with these types of predictions is that I think the complexion of the game, the way that the game plays out has everything to do. Obviously it has everything to do with what the final score is, but it's just, if, if Ohio state scores early and right, which is something that Penn state's defense has had trouble with this year, right? It, that Penn state's defense has not been particularly sharp. I don't think at, in the first quarter of games this season, uh, if that happens and Penn state is forced offensively to go into catch up mode, I, I, I see problems for Penn state. Yeah. If, if Penn state can keep the game close, even and or ahead through the first quarter, and get itself into a position where its defense can do exactly what you said, Fitz. Like this defense is is primed to play from ahead in a lot of ways. If they're ahead, they can be aggressive. They can make the type of plays that you've seen them make all season. And concurrently to that, I think this Ohio State team is primed to make those mistakes. They, they are in a position where you might be able to do some of those things in terms of sacks. Strip sacks, fumbles, interceptions, you name it. Those are the types of possibilities that Penn State has feasted on against teams that have gotten into third and long situations. Uh, And the more that Penn State can be in a strong position uh, on the scoreboard at at closer to the beginning of the game, I, I think it opens up those opportunities. And it also allows Penn State's offense to do what it does and not panic and and be boring for lack of a better word, right? Like, I mean, they, they are excelling at playing boring football and they know, or they believe that playing boring football in this type of a game uh, can be the recipe for success with bigger plays sprinkled in. You you, you can't not have them, but you can win this game by nursing slash controlling a seven to 10 point lead. Uh, in this type of game, like Which Michigan, you would say it is Michigan light. It is yeah. Michigan light. It is I. It is. Yeah, with, with with a renewed focus on, as you mentioned, some of those big plays and being consistent. Trey Wallace coming back and taking those easy throws, and it, it like you mentioned. This is set up for Penn State from a schematic standpoint as well, because Ohio State, if they play off coverage and they play as soft as they have, Drew Aller loves taking the free access plays 
So we'll see how they play it. And we're going to get to some of those questions in the BWI mailbag. First thing we're going to get to here is David K. He says, I have a beard, quoting me. Yes, I would say that's about 35% of my personality. So nailed it, David K. It's a statement of fact. It is a statement of fact. Uh, question here from the Blue White Illustrated message board. Once again, great time to sign up for bluewhiteillustrated.com, 50% off. You can have your question featured here on the show as well. And this is the question everyone has been asking in a lot of different ways. B. Sladen says, lots of comments over the first six games about how Penn State isn't showing the playbook till a game like this. How much truth do you think there is to that? Fits over under two and a half wrinkles or packages or plays on Saturday. Um, sorry, I didn't see this question in the rundown. So sorry, <laughs> I'm, I, my, my catching apologies. Up on it. Um, no, we have like six questions in the rundown, and and this was not one of them. So I'm 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 getting I'm catching up here. Uh, over under wrinkles packages. We'll go over. Um, yeah, I think you can get creative on the road. I don't think you necessarily want to like. How much I think the, the crux of the question is how much is Penn State holding back? And I think there's something to that because I think that there's a difference between holding back and doing what you need to do to win those games and win those games impressively, but still not doing what you need to do. I mean, you look at how many times Penn State actually looked down the field, threw down the field in the first five games, and there's there's not much there. So I think there is. I think there's more in the playbook. I don't know that it's necessarily like, hey, we're, we're just going to save all this stuff for Ohio State. I think that's probably an overused storyline that we get into every year. But I, I do think there's more in the playbook. Um, Nate, answer the second part of this question for us. Bonus question, how are the snacks in the press box? <laughs> oh, no. That's a terrible question for me to answer. It, they're fine. They're, they're fine. fine. Yeah, Ohio State's beat gets really upset because it's the same thing every week. It never changes. There's no variety. It's pulled pork. Uh, that that is like the meal. And then they also have McCafe like McDonald's is one of their big sponsors. So they have McDonald's drinks, uh, but it, it's just it's garbage. It's it, it's really bad food. And I will intend very much to not eat it this weekend. You are our foodie. You have strong opinions about food in state college and across the world. So that is why I wanted to come to you with this question. Do you want I'm going to give you a different question um, because. Can I just can, can I just can I just chime in with one thing uh, related to my game prediction, but also this first part? Sure. Uh, I think very. Now this is not founded by any like direct feedback. This is just observationally. I, I think Penn State has fixated on this game for a long, long time. Internally, mm -hmm. the analysts, all this, like there is a ton of stuff resources that have been poured into this game, this opponent that I, I'm not sure. Um, certainly you would, you would anticipate that Ohio state is doing the same to Penn state, but I, I just, I do feel like the way that James Franklin has talked about analysts, the way that they talked about using the bye week for this game, the, all of the, the way James Franklin brought it up in the, in May, right? I mean, yeah. he, he was talking about this game in May. Do you mean I, above what they have done for the Michigan game specifically. Like they think they've targeted this game. We can beat them this year. We think we match up well and we're going to win this particular game. Whether we split them or we win, we're winning this one. Is that kind of your, or is it like this no. is the first one? They focused on it both of them. This, this is the first one, and they knew what okay. they had in the first half of the season. I mean, obviously, West Virginia was important, and, and Iowa was important. Yeah. Uh, all of the games were important. You, you understand that, but in terms of devoted resources and figuring out Ohio State and Michigan, I, I just think that it, it has been a tremendous amount of manpower and hours that have gone into this game long before, long, long, long before this week. Uh, Fitz, I apologize for throwing a curveball at you. A couple late entrants. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna do my best to go by the rundown now. Uh, so this one from Charles Brown, and we got the dreaded must-win question: Is this the best team in the Franklin era? What does a win do for his legacy, and what does a loss do? Dare we say a must-win, Fitz? Okay, we can go back to the surprise questions anytime. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is it the best team? I mean, you, you compare it to 2017. I know 2016 won a Big Ten title, but 2017, I still think, was was Franklin's best team in terms of like 
being able to score, put up points, doing what you need to do to win and to get to a college football playoff. Obviously, they did not land there. Um, so um, I think it's deeper, like 1 to 85. I think it gets you closer to where you want to be. It's It's been very interesting to watch this team build because the, the goal has always been to catch Ohio State. And that's kind of still the goal, even though Michigan has won the Big Ten the last two years and beaten Ohio State. Like that's kind of how we frame this entire build is to to catch Ohio State, even if they're not the dominant, the the, the solely dominant team in the Big Ten anymore. Um, is it a must win? No, I don't think so. Like it's Penn State's best shot to win in Columbus in the in the last ten years, or I guess they haven't won since two thousand eleven. So like. How can you say a trip to Columbus is a must win for anybody? Like, I don't know. Um, but uh, a win would would really go a long way in his legacy for the for the minute for the middle question, and it gets you essentially into the playoff. Like, I, I, you can't pretty pretty darn close, right? Pretty darn, yeah. It, it, I mean, even regardless what would happen at, at Michigan, a loss to or excuse me, a win over Ohio State and Columbus is going to outshine a loss at home to probably a number one Michigan. So yeah, I think that that's uh, that's certainly a legacy builder. I don't want to say definer, but it'd be a legacy builder. Uh, Stephen Light gives a comment, but it's something we talked about previously on the show yesterday on on the show talking about the tight ends actually being fullbacks. If you line them up in the backfield, he says, I want the tight end fullbacks in the game. Maybe that's a wrinkle we haven't seen since the first game of the year. Wrinkles don't have to be something new that you've never seen. It's something that you haven't done in a while. So uh, Stephen, as always, donating to the channel and giving a, a good, insightful question. Let's see. We've got Cade Stover coming up next. Uh H-O-H-M-A-D-W, 1978. I believe this is Dave. Which Penn State defensive player matchup matches up best in coverage with Kate Stover? Very good receiver. Not sure the linebackers match up well in coverage. Uh, Nate, James Franklin mentioned Kate Stover. So, like, his impact as a receiver and as the guy you can't forget about, maybe uh, what, what do you see him having a big impact on this game? Uh, an impact for sure. Yes. I mean, I think that certainly Ohio state is going to go to him uh, fairly frequently. And I, I agree with the question in a lot of ways. I, I mean, I, I just don't know that Penn state ha has been tested all that much in, in past coverage. It, it, you, you handle the, the, the best matchup for the, the best player uh, mm -hmm. to cover him. But Overall, I do think that he presents Penn State uh, some challenges that they might not have had very consistently so far this season. Yeah, so I'm actually gonna uh, I'm gonna subtract contract this to Fitz because KJ Winston, boundary yep. safety, tight I mean, end, it's that's matchup it. made in heaven. Yeah, I mean, and you look at Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Carter; they've got the speed to do it. Um, yep. But in terms of actual coverage skills, Winston has the speed, and he actually has the size. Like, but I do think Stover can be Stover can be one of those like. 2000s Iowa like Dallas Clark like he's just like why is that guy open all the time like I think that 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 can be a possibility and that can that can be something that breaks you if you're Penn State's defense is those first downs you know if you get them to third and 11 then all of a sudden Kate Stover picks up 13 yards like that's it's just a gut punch and keeping your defense on the field things like that so I, I think that he can be that guy but I do think that KJ Winston gives you a better opportunity to guard him because of his his skills in man coverage, because he can trail him and, and outrun him and catch up on the ball. I think that, that they have an opportunity to do that. I just don't know that it's with those outside linebackers. I think it's more with the safeties. Uh, agreed there. And the thing that Ohio State loves to do is get him matched up on middle linebackers. So making sure if that happens, Tyler Elson has been more aware in coverage, but he can be aware and also lose in this situation. Last year that you saw them use Cade Stover to attack in coverage and Tyler Elson gave up a big play late in the game. So... Those matchups, sometimes you don't determine them. Oh, On the other oh, side... Frank, though, wait, before we get into that, Elsden, we, do we see much of him this weekend? I'm going to throw a question to you. Uh, I think they're going to play him because they, they trust him more than the, the public trusts him. But yeah, I don't think we see... Going back to the conversation about three linebackers, this is... They, they're a spread team. They're going to play a nickel package a right. lot. So we're going to see less linebackers in general, which means we'll see less of Elsden and we'll see less of King, but you're going to, I think you're going to see all of those guys for sure. I just wanted uh, some action in the chat by mentioning Elston. So that's why we're <laughs> <Boom>. <laughs> wanted to drop a bomb late on the show. Matthew DeLang asks how important are the tight ends in this game? So flip the script, talk about the other tight ends. We talked to Theo Johnson. How important are the tight ends, uh, Nate, uh, to Penn state success on Saturday? I, it depends on what Ohio state does. I mean, I certainly, I thought that Purdue 
use the middle of the field effectively in the running game and the passing game and, and had some, some success there. I mean, it's interesting because Ohio state's secondary, I I think internally based on what I've seen from the coverage from Ohio state's kind of beat is thinking extremely lofty of, of, you know, there's a ton of respect for, for what that Ohio state secondary is. Um, you know, first glance impressions for for me in that Purdue game, they left a lot of space. <laughs> there was a lot to work with there uh, yeah. in, in terms of what Purdue wanted to do. Now, is that is that a symptom of intentionality on Ohio State's part just to not give up big plays? Yeah, I think probably to a certain extent. But if if there are opportunities there for uh, Theo Johnson and obviously Ty- Tyler Warren, yeah, I think Penn State is is uh, is going to take the advantage of those this week. Yeah, uh, Fitz, I just think that the the personnel packages, you can look at Notre Dame, you can look at Purdue, two different ways that Penn State can attack. Part of the conversation here is a three-receiver team versus a two-tight end team, and how does Penn State choose their personnel? Which template did they like best? So when the tight ends, you're talking about those, what is, I guess, your view of the, the best lineup for Penn State to attack a team that likes to play three safeties? I think they trust the 12 personnel more than I, they trust the second tight end more than they trust the third receiver. So I, I don't think it gets much deeper than that. And, and that's, I don't know that it's your best big play opportunity, but like it is the best way for this, this offense to be efficient. I think you see a lot of that on, on Saturday. Yeah. And those guys, uh, Theo Johnson acknowledged this last night of certain blocks are critical from the tight ends. And especially those inside zone blocks or generally those zone blocks where he has he and Tyler Warren have to get to those blocks. Those are going to be super critical in this game because they they have even against UMass they were allowing some plays, and against Northwestern they were allowing some plays to leak and not get those explosive runs or those chunk runs. They've got to be they got to be two sixty. They got to play to their size this week and be physical with those defensive ends who are a handful. Uh, a couple of questions here to end the show. Losi's mustache is back and intimidating. James Franklin talked about it coming down to a one possession game this week when he was asked about that. Uh, I think Penn State fans would feel better if the final minute we have a lead and need to rely on the defense to stop them. Really? (laughs) I've seen games where that's exactly the opposite. Uh, But if Penn State is down and they get the ball back with less than two minutes, do you think the receivers will get enough separation down the field quickly? And if they need that explosive play, where is Aller going with the football? This is a very layered question, Fitz. Um, Pick your favorite part of it. If Penn State is down, can they come back and win? I'm just going to simplify it. If they're down, do they have the guts to make the plays to get in scoring position and win the game? Buddy, I wish I knew. Um, right? And I wish I, I wish I could give a better answer on that. Um, but yeah, I, I think it goes into those two receivers on the outside just making that extra play. And we've seen a little bit of it. We haven't seen the constant uh, or we haven't seen it consistently. And I think that's what that's worrisome. Like, and that means that Penn State will try and, I don't want to say dink and dunk its way down the field if it finds itself in that situation, but go with the shorter stuff that has gotten them there as opposed to trying to figure it out and get it all in one play because I don't think that they've proven. It, it's such an interesting juxtaposition to go from what they've done over the first six games to gear up or gear down or whatever whatever it, whatever you have to say to get ready for Ohio state, because it's, it's just a whole different animal. Like, and how do you make that leap in one week or two weeks with the bye week and everything like that? How do you, how do you make that leap is a big question that I have because it's, it's such a massive, massive leap. So I, I, I don't know. Um, we haven't seen it. So I don't want to go out and say that. Yes. Keandre Lambert Smith can make that play down the field over a defensive. You know, we've seen Jahan Dotson make that play. You've seen Chris Godwin make that play. You've seen those guys that have done it and you would feel confident if those guys were out there or not. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that one of the things just kind of, I've been looking at some data in the NFL and, and Chris Godwin, I think set a certain expectation at Penn state among receivers. He is an outlier in the NFL as well. So having a clutch guy like that on the team, you, you set that expectation or James Franklin, and they have not met it since, but he was genuinely a unique football player, and they haven't found a guy that has that level of skill, contested catch, clutch ability, all of those things. You'd like to think it's one of these guys if you're a Penn State fan. One last thing I want to do before we get to our final thoughts, I want to thank Sharice Arm, uh, Armistead 
a non-toxic troll in the chat today. I thought was providing some fun banter for fans. Things didn't cross the line. I want to give her her credit. She thinks Ohio State-Penn State will be a low-scoring low game because both teams have good defenses this year. She says Ohio State 21, Penn State 17. I want to say thank you to everybody in the chat. Final thoughts from you guys. Nate, coming to you first. A <sighs> couple of things. I think that James Franklin's message to the media, but also he's just really relaying what he's been saying to the team about not exceeding or like play within yourself, mm-hmm. I, I think is a massive part of this game is you have players on this team who have expectations, uh, high expectations and aspirations for themselves, which is great. You, you want that for sure, but also you want them to be comfortable and satisfied with excelling in their role and just just making the plays that they're tasked with doing right i i think that's i just think that's a huge piece of this game where you've seen some of the mistakes happen in past games ohio state last year michigan last year defensively at least is is trying to do too much right guys who are missing assignments uh and missing gap responsibility based on that kind of mentality, I think, of, of, of how they approach the game. So I, I do think that this is a, a, a big, big test for you are what you are at this point in the season, right? Like it's not a surprise at this Here, Maybe I'm putting this wrong. It is a surprise that Penn State has had fewer big plays than you expect. But also at this point, I think it's, it is wrong, building on what Fitz just said, it is wrong to think that that's going to change overnight. They had opportunities against Delaware and UMass at minimum to break tackles offensively, to, to make big plays, to do those things. They haven't happened. And so this is who they are. This is who this Penn State team is. And expecting something to change radically from last week to this week against this type of opponent, I I think is very unrealistic. So they just have to lean into who and what they are, which is again, Michigan light being, being that ball control, uh, mature veteran type of offense and get their points that way. And then let the defense do what it does, which is be the backbone of this team. We had a, I put up a special T Frank's film room talking about the the Ohio State defense, their three safety system, how it will provide a similar game flow for Penn State's offense that they've seen all so far this year. Check that out. I think Nate makes a great point. Fitz, your final thoughts here. I've got some bullet points here. Um, in games like this, there are things that happen that make sense or that don't make sense that go against the statistical probabilities. Penn State needs to stop the run. Ohio State has not been good running the football, but there's still the opportunity for Ohio State to run that ball. We talked about a little bit about the the defensive tackles and up the middle and things like that, but it just seems like a game where Ohio State might rip off a few chunks and it's about how Penn State responds to that and and that's the other thing like we've seen this Penn State defense overwhelm everyone. So it's like little giants you've gotten away from like they gained a yard like and, and it's a and it's a problem. Like the people people have not been able to handle other teams even scoring a little bit. So you're going to have to set your expectations accordingly because Ohio State has the athletes to score. So I think that that's it. So stopping the run is more important than you would think based on the stat line, if that makes sense. And that includes the quarterback scramble. Uh, you mentioned a little bit ago about putting Chop Robinson over Carson Hinsman. I think that's a great matchup for them. But it's also, it helps in terms of keeping Kyle McCord, like developing a pocket for Kyle McCord to stay in that's at the advantage of the defense. You know, obviously, you, you know, if you're an offensive line, you want to, you want to create that pocket so you can stand in there, deliver and everything, but you can be, it can be advantageous because it keeps somebody in front of him, keeps his eyes down a little bit and keeps him, you know, sort of in, in check. If he scrambles for two or three first downs on Saturday, that could be a problem. Like that could be a, an, a something that changes uh, a quarter, maybe not the whole game, but it changes the dynamic of field position quarter, things like that. Speaking of field position, Tyler Duzanski and Riley Thompson. Riley Thompson has been very good the last couple of weeks as a drop punter. I'm not sure if Penn State's going to do the drop punt, doing the rugby kick, whatever it's going to be, um, but it's going to be very important because this is the first field position game that they're going to have to deal with. I know Iowa came out and tried to play a field position game. 
and Penn State kind of broke broke their back with some turnovers and things like that. But this is going to be very important for Riley Thompson um, to kind of show what he what he's made of. And, and again, I don't know yet. Like he's been he's been very good drop hunting the last couple of weeks, and rugby kicking has not been there. So uh, it's on that, and it's also on Tyler Duzanski to get the snaps back. He's been okay. He hasn't been Chris Stoll, and he's been okay. Um, and then Caden Wallace, uh, JTT is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, 10 sacks for Ohio State in six games. That is not the pass rush that we have come to expect from Ohio State, but we know the capability is there with players like JTT. We saw what he did to Bryce Hefner last year. Caden Wallace, this is your NFL audition. You know, this is the, your opportunity to prove that you can play at that level. Um, you're probably a guard in the NFL, but still, like they're going to want to see you hold up. And if he can hold up, that that's good for Penn State. Again, the quarterback play is going to be what we're going to talk about this entire time. But at the same time, the quarterback play is only as effective as the pass rush on the opposition will allow them to be. So if they can protect Drew Aller, if Caden Wallace can protect Drew Aller, that that's a good sign for Penn State. So I'm going to go with that. Just some just some things that are in the back of my mind that may pop up on Saturday. Maybe they won't pop up on Saturday. If they don't pop up on Saturday, maybe that's a really good thing. Um, but uh, Penn State has an opportunity. It's, it's about what they do with it on Saturday. Awesome show. I don't know what happens this weekend, but this was a win for us. Awesome show. Thank you so much, guys. Nate, you're actually coming back tomorrow. I'm excited for that. Uh, We'll have one final show on the BWI Live show coming up on Friday. Then, of course, the tailgate show starting three hours before kickoff, bright and early. Get your face paint, get your gear on, and turn on uh, the Blue White Illustrated YouTube stream. We'll be talking about Penn State and Ohio State leading into the game. And, of course, the postgame show coming up afterwards. It is a big weekend. We are going big for it. I'm Thomas Rankar, Nate Bauer, Sean Fitz. Talk to you later.